to the Red Light Report. Your number one source for all things red light therapy. Where you will learn how to optimize your health, wellness, and longevity with the power of photobiomodulation. I'm your host, Dr. Mike Belkowski. Welcome back to another solo sode. And yes, we're going to be continuing on on the Red Light Therapy Treatment Protocols ebook train. The same train we've been riding for about the past month now, where I have been virtually reading the ebook I created over the past several years, which covers a lot of great red light therapy information, red light therapy research, and of course, it lives up to its name and has specific red light therapy treatment protocols that I have developed that are all based on the most current and strongest photobiomodulation research. So that way people know exactly how to use their red light therapy devices. They know which lights to use between red and near infrared. They know which distance the device should be from their body. And they know the duration of their treatment. And then how many times per week or the frequency per week. It's an ebook I've developed through the past several years of all my reading and learning that I've been doing relative to red light therapy. And I am actually in the middle of updating the ebook and developing the fourth edition, because of course it's in its third edition right now. For the entire audience that's listening, I would like to know what is some new red light therapy information and or what are some new red light therapy protocols or treatment protocols you would like to see in the fourth edition. Because again, I'm currently working on that and I hope to have that released within the next month or so. So if there's a protocol that's not currently in the third edition and or there's information you would like me to speak upon and clarify, such as in the first third of the book where there's there's some red light therapy information and education, then please email info at biolight.shop or you can message me directly on LinkedIn. You can message directly through DMs on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter or even YouTube. And I'll be keeping my eyes peeled to see if there's any information or, or protocols you guys want added. And it's not a guarantee that I'll add the protocols, but if there is enough information, if there is enough research that I can synthesize and develop a legitimate protocol, I'm not going to build a protocol just based off one case study, but if there is enough information and enough research, as I said, I will be more than happy to develop the protocol because as time goes on and there's going to be more and more additions that come out throughout the years, this ebook is going to expand and become quite the encyclopedia for all red light therapy information. So it's just going to become more and more comprehensive, more and more thorough, and there's going to be dozens and dozens and dozens more protocols added as time goes on. So please reach out to me and let me know what you would like to see added to the ebook and I shall do my best to add it. On a separate note, just because for those that were listening last week, I was a little under the weather recovering from that fever. I probably still sound a little nasally, but I would say I'm about 90% better. Definitely been using my BioLite Shine near infrared light specifically on my thymus to really help jumpstart my immune system. I also used near infrared on my sinuses or my sinuses in my forehead and my cheek there. Really just trying to open up those passages, let the fluid flow, because man, my ears were like 90% plugged, especially my left side. 
So my hearing was down, which is never fun. And all that pressure in my head actually led to some uh, low-level lightheadedness or dizziness. Because again, all that pressure built up in the sinuses, in the sinus cavities, I should say. And then, of course, the, the pressure that puts on your vestibular system, it can cause you to be a little dizzy and, and, and queasy. So anyway, I really do believe that the, the near-infrared light, especially when I used it kind of across my nose to get those sinus cavities in my cheek, those really opened things up. And I did notice the pressure decreased. And of course, it would go back and forth, kind of like a roller coaster. The pressure would come and go, come and go, especially once I used the red light therapy, because the red light therapy would help decrease the pressure. And then over time, it would slightly come back. And of course, I was doing a lot of other things, spraying some colloidal silver underneath my tongue and up my nose. And I'll tell you what, that was probably the one thing that helped clear up my nose more than anything. And you could surely use a neti pot and get comparable results, just getting some water through through your sinuses and clearing that out. But my mom got me some colloidal silver, spray that up both sides multiple times per day for several days. And that cleared things up really quickly and took the pressure off my sinus cavities and helped clear up my ears. My ears are a little plugged still, but about again, about 90% better. So definitely feeling well. And of course, sticking to the tried and true principles that I live by or that I try to do on a consistent basis, such as grounding, watching the morning sunrise, watching the sunset, getting substantial sun exposure when the sun is out up here in Montana. Uh, so sticking to those things as always, but then just adding these immune boosting modalities as well. So anyway, just wanted to throw that in there just to see how there's different ways to utilize red light therapy. I always say it's kind of like a Swiss army knife. You might buy it to improve your skin. You might buy it to reduce some pain, but gosh darn, there's going to be a multitude of times that you can pull out your red light therapy device and use it for a beneficial health and wellness reason, just like I did this past 10 days to help boost my immune system. And then the last quick announcement I'll make before we get onto the ebook here is that the Republic fundraising campaign that I've mentioned the past couple of episodes or solo sodes has officially gone live. So if you guys don't know, republic.com is a crowdfunding platform for smaller up and coming growing businesses. It's similar to Kickstarter, but Republic is much more difficult to get listed on. It's a heavily, heavily vetted process. BioLite virtually got audited in order to get listed on Republic. So it was a massive hurdle and took quite some time and energy just to get listed on Republic. But hey, we're finally here. We officially listed on May 16th. So if you go to republic.com forward slash BioLite, that'll take you directly to our campaign page where you can check out all the information about BioLite, what's going on, the perks of potentially investing in red light therapy, but in BioLite specifically. So this is your opportunity to not only support a company you may love and already support by purchasing products, but now you can support and own some equity or own part of the company in BioLite. And so that's what Republic is all about. So it'd be cool just not to check out the uh, BioLite page, but there's a lot of cool up and coming small businesses. For example, there's some businesses in the metaverse that are getting funded over $300 million. There's a company involved with wireless electric vehicle charging that's getting funded over a million dollars. So there's a lot of cool companies 
And so I'm really excited and proud that BioLite A made the cut and B, our campaign is officially live. So go check it out, potentially invest and yeah, learn a lot about BioLite and, and the company that we are and how we're growing and what our future plans are and how we're going to continue to innovate and bring positive changes to the red light therapy space. But without further ado, let's continue on with the ebook. Last week, we covered inflammation, immune system, oral health, and pain. So those were some really big topics to cover, especially oral health and pain. And so this week, we'll be covering the next four topics in the ebook, which includes pet health. And that was a new addition to the third ebook or the third edition of the ebook. And then there's preconditioning, which is a fun topic and a lot of potential as it relates to red light therapy. And then we have maybe the number one topic as it relates to red light therapy in skin health. And then another one that's really high up there in sleep. So those are the four topics, pet health, preconditioning, skin health, and sleep. So let's continue our journey with pet health. Given that all mammals share very similar physiology, the mechanisms of how red light therapy works on animals is very similar to that of humans. Red light therapy reduces inflammation, improves circulation, and optimizes mitochondrial health, amongst other proposed processes. The aforementioned benefits are thanks to red light therapy initiating the following cellular signaling reactions. The first one is increased production of reactive oxygen species, which, as we know from previous episodes, boosts antioxidant production and helps modulate inflammation. The second benefit enhances nitric oxide production, which, as we know again, causes vasodilation or increased blood flow leading to enhanced circulation. And the third one is optimized energy production. Of course, we know that comes from the mitochondria via enhanced ATP production or energy production, and this allows the body to carry out all of the metabolic and cellular functions more efficiently, which is particularly important when recovering from illness or injury. And I can testify to that. <laughs> uh, but red light therapy has been postulated to exert three main effects. And again, this might get redundant, but a reduction in pain, modulation of inflammation, and acceleration of healing. For these reasons, red light therapy has become a popular modality in both general and specialty practices with approximately 20% of veterinary hospitals in North America using the modality. Though red light therapy has been attempted for a wide variety of indications, the primary categories with the strongest support, largely via experimental studies, include its use in pain, wounds, musculoskeletal conditions, neurologic pathology, and in conjunction with complementary medicine, such as with regenerative medicine and acupuncture. And again, keep in mind, we're, we're talking about pets here. So again, the top uses as it relates to veterinary uses, pain, wounds, musculoskeletal conditions, neurologic pathology, and in conjunction with complementary medicine. So when we're looking at pain, with respect to the pain pathway, red light therapy can act at a variety of levels to provide relief. And again, this is the same with, with humans and, and uh, pets. It reduces pro-inflammatory interleukin-1, decreases pro-inflammatory prostaglandins, 
increases nitric oxide levels causing vasodilation and removal of inflammatory mediators, production of beta endorphins to attenuate the pain signal, increases serotonin for mood augmentation. And then when we look at wound healing, red light therapy optimizes wound healing at multiple levels of the tissue regeneration process, helping to restore the biological function of injured cells via acceleration of cellular metabolism, which generates additional ATP, or energy production, for reparative tasks as well as by locally increasing reactive oxygen species and nitric oxide. This accelerates re-epithelialization and wound closure enhances fibroblast proliferation, increases granulation tissue, and possibly deters infection. Additionally, red light therapy improves collagen deposition and organization, increasing the tensile strength of ultimate scar tissue. It may also help reduce inflammation and microbial load to improve tissue integrity during the healing process. When looking at musculoskeletal disorders... The following are some of the most commonly encountered musculoskeletal disorders in which red light therapy can serve as an adjunctive therapy for animals. The first one, osteoarthritis, and that's possible by reducing inflammation and pain while improving joint mobility and function. Number two, tendon and ligament injuries. Again, by reducing inflammation and articular degeneration while improving collagen synthesis, fibroblast production, tensile strength, and fiber organization. Number three, muscle injuries. So with increased muscle fiber production, decreased scar tissue and lactate concentration, and also promotes recovery of atrophied muscle. Lastly, fractures. And uh, red light therapy can do this by accelerating bone healing via increased osteoblast production and preconditioning stem cells and also stimulates growth factor secretion prior to transplantation. Looking at the research here, and there's actually quite a bit for animals or, or for pets. And this first piece of research is from 2018. It says, a dose reduction by at least 50% of the original NSAID dose occurred in 82% of red light therapy dogs and in 0% of control group dogs. So I'll say that again a different way. Dogs that used red light therapy, 82% of them were able to cut their NSAID or their non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drug intake by at least 50%, while the dogs that did not get red light therapy got 0% of them saw at least a 50% reduction in the NSAID. So that's massive. So there's clearly an anti-inflammatory effect for dogs. No surprise there, but very cool research. Uh, this piece is also from 2018. They go on to say, in this study, regularly applied photobiomodulation therapy for six weeks resulted in improved lameness and pain scores and also a reduction in NSAID dose in dogs with naturally occurring elbow osteoarthritis compared with similar patients receiving sham therapy. So not only did they see a reduced dose intake of NSAIDs, but they also saw improved lameness and pain scores, which is always good. I'm not sure how um, they asked the dogs to tell them their pain scores, but, but regardless, pretty cool research. Another one from 2018 goes on to say, laser therapy has been postulated to exert three main effects, reduction of pain, modulation of inflammation, 
and acceleration of healing. For these reasons, photobiomodulation therapy has become a popular modality in both general and specialty practices with approximately 20% of veterinary hospitals in North America using that modality. So I was surprised when I saw that stat that, so basically one out of every five veterinary hospitals is using photobiomodulation, whether it's with laser or LED. So a pretty decent amount, more than I would have guessed, which is pretty cool to see that the veterinary profession is that innovative and forward-thinking to use red light therapy to help their animals and help their pets. The next piece of research, again, 2018, that must have been a good year for pet photobiomodulation research. They go on to say, Peripheral nerve damage is another commonly seen veterinary neurological condition that can be treated with laser therapy. A number of studies have documented beneficial use of photobiomodulation therapy for peripheral nerve regeneration. These include decreased scar formation at the site of injury, increased axonal growth and myelinization, reduced degeneration of corresponding motor neurons in the spinal cord, increased neurite fiber sprouting, and Schwann cell proliferation. So a lot of positive things going on in the nervous system when red light therapy is used on these animals. And moving along to the next piece of research, can you guess what year it's from? That's right, 2018, once again. They go on to say, within the veterinary literature, Photobiomodulation has been shown to accelerate time to ambulation in surgical dogs with myelopathy secondary to disc herniation, to improve peak vertical force in post-surgical cranial cruciate disease surgical pair, and to aid in healing of sterile granulomatous pododermatitis. Yeah, that, that was a lot of big words there. But regardless, photobiomodulation helps in a variety of health conditions and maladies, even for dogs and cats and horses. There's two more pieces of research. This one, can you guess what year it's from? You're wrong. It's actually 2020. Uh, they go on to say that the results of this study strongly suggest that darker pigmented dogs should be shaved in order to achieve photon transmission to the subcutis and that black-coated areas on dogs may not be ideal areas for treatment due to lack of this transmission. Black-coated areas of treatment must be shaved and should be monitored regularly during treatment for epidermal thermal injury due to heat generation. Since we're talking about the ebook in this episode, I thought, why the heck not give my loyal audience, my loyal podcast listeners, an exclusive discount? The discount is going to be for the lifetime subscription of the Red Light Therapy Treatment Protocols ebook. And what is special about the lifetime subscription is that by purchasing the lifetime subscription, you will be receiving every single ebook that is released because I update the ebook every six months or so. So twice a year, I'll update the ebook, including updated information relative to red light therapy. I'll update the protocols that I currently have, and I'll be adding new protocols as the information comes out. So the ebook is constantly being updated every single year. And again, by getting the lifetime subscription, you pay one price and you receive every single ebook going forward. So let's say we get to, you know, the 30th edition, you just paid one small price for 25, 26 ebooks. So for my loyal listeners, I'm gonna give you guys a 25% discount off the lifetime subscription. 
and the coupon code is RLT Podcast. And that is all lowercase because it is case sensitive. Again, that's RLT Podcast, as in Red Light Therapy Podcast. Go to BioLite.shop, select the lifetime subscription of the Red Light Therapy Treatment Protocols ebook, type in RLT Podcast, and get that bad boy for 25% off. And so that last part where they're talking about epidermal thermal injury, that should not be of concern if you're using LED lights. That's more of a laser concern because laser can indeed heat the tissue because it's a much more concentrated form of light. But regardless, that piece of research is very important if you're wanting to use red light therapy on your animal, it doesn't matter if it's a dog or a cat or a horse or a hamster or what have you. The very important takeaway is that if you're going to treat your pet that has darker fur or a darker coat, especially black, much less light is going to get through because darker fur refracts or deflects the light significantly more than lighter colored fur. So they're going as far as to say, if you're going to treat a certain area and your your pet has black fur or a dark coat, you need to shave it so that enough light can actually get to the target tissue area. Some major take-home points there for those wanting to use red light therapy, especially on your pet that has darker fur or a darker coat. But this last piece of research here from 2021, they go on to say, it is concluded that cold And LLLT, I believe that means cold laser, and LLLT causes a decrease in the firing frequency of horse muscles, a change that is similar to the effects of analgesia on muscles of subjects experiencing pain. So that's like if you have a cramp or a muscle that is strained, it's going to be hypertonic, it's going to be tight. So they're saying that cold laser or LLLT, low-level laser therapy, causes a decrease in the firing frequency, meaning that muscle is no longer hypertonic and just constantly contracting. It's actually relaxing and the muscle's firing significantly less. Pretty cool to see all the different ways the red light therapy can help. And again, keep that in mind for yourself or for uh, family and friends, someone who's experiencing a hypertonic muscle, you know, a very tight area of muscles, whether that can be your back, that can be your glutes, anywhere where your muscles have been overworked, there's a high likelihood that they're hypertonic. Even if you can't feel it, if you've overworked a muscle or severely stressed a muscle, like hiking or or a certain sport where there's repetitive movements, or you're doing a new movement for the first time, let's say you haven't done pull-ups forever, and then you do 20 pull-ups all of a sudden, you're going to have some sore hypertonic muscles. And red light therapy seemingly is a way that you can heal and reduce the soreness and, and the hypertension in the muscles. So just some food for thought. And that's it for pets. So we will move along to preconditioning, which is another very exciting topic. And so with preconditioning, it's a technique of conditioning or influencing your cells by exposing them to red and or near infrared light prior to the relevant behavioral situation. For example, you can precondition your muscles prior to exercise to improve muscular strength, muscular power, endurance, and recovery. You can also precondition your skin for sun exposure so that you can prolong your time in the sun while reducing potential damage from excessive UV radiation. You can also precondition your brain prior to a cognitively intensive task to enhance your concentration and recall. 
Research is likely just scratching the surface in discovering ways that we can precondition ourselves with red and near-infrared light to our advantage. And so, digging a little deeper into each of those topics, uh, let's begin with exercise. There are two different phases of exercise-induced damage. You have primary and secondary damage. With primary damage, that is related to the muscle damage that results from the exercise-induced mechanical stress, and secondary damage is due to the inflammatory response that is subsequent to the mechanical stresses. And so this is important because research has demonstrated that preconditioning with red light therapy protects the muscle from both primary and secondary damage, whereas red light therapy used only after exercise and thus after the mechanical damage protects the cells from secondary damage only. So the research has shown that if you were to do red light therapy at one point during your exercise, it should be prior to exercise. And so when physical performance is impaired for days, this may be related to tissue injuries caused by exercise and the phenomenon known as delayed onset muscle soreness, or DOMS. Creatine kinase levels are important in sports medicine for obtaining information on the current state of the muscle integrity. High levels of serum creatine kinase in apparently healthy subjects is normal after physical work. However, if a high level persists at rest, it may be a sign of subclinical muscle disease, which may trigger the onset of symptoms such as profound fatigue when physical work is performed. In numerous research studies, specific doses of red light therapy significantly reduced muscle creatine kinase activity when compared with those in non-irradiated groups. In addition, there are some indications from animal studies that infrared wavelengths may be effective in reducing the release of reactive oxygen species and may increase the content of antioxidants and heat shock proteins. Studies support the hypothesis that the ergogenic benefits of red light therapy on muscles are due to increases in circulation, decreases in lactic acid production, improved mitochondrial function, improved antioxidant ability of the exercising muscles, enhanced contractile function, prevention of exercise-induced cell damage, and improved post-exercise recovery of strength and function. Clinical trials using red light therapy before exercise reported a preventative effect against mitochondrial dysfunction. And I'll say that again, red light therapy that was used in clinical trials before exercise reported a preventative effect against mitochondrial dysfunction. So in a nutshell, preconditioning muscles that you will be exercising or utilizing via red light therapy leads to improved muscular performance and accelerated recovery. Who wouldn't want that as an exercise enthusiast or an athlete, or even just an everyday Joe Schmo who wants to exercise, who wouldn't want enhanced muscular performance and accelerated recovery. That's the best of both worlds. And you simply just have to expose the working muscles to red light therapy. Moving on to another preconditioning topic, sun exposure. And this is the time of the year to start utilizing preconditioning your skin, especially in the Northern Hemisphere, getting exposed to sun for the first time since since the fall potentially. And so you want to stave off potential excessive UV radiation skin damage. And so preconditioning your skin with red light therapy is a potent way 
on top of taking things like astaxanthin, and I've talked about that in prior podcasts, as ways to get exposed to sunlight without paying the price with excessive UV radiation. But anyway, let's move on here. It says, it is commonly accepted that the UV range, which is about 400 nanometers, UV range exposure is responsible for almost all deleterious photo-induced effects on human skin. Small amounts of UV radiation are essential for the production of vitamin D, yet when the skin is subjected to excessive radiation, deleterious effects may occur. The most common negative effect is acute sunburn or urethema, but UV insults can also lead to premature photoaging and carcinogenesis. Some of the possible mechanisms for UV skin damage are collagen breakdown, the formation of free radicals, interfering with DNA repair, and inhibiting the immune system. So in the natural environment, visible and infrared solar wavelengths predominate in the morning, while UVB and UVA are predominant around noon. This could suggest that mammalians already possess a natural mechanism which, in reaction to morning infrared radiation, it prepares the skin for the upcoming noon and potentially damaging UV radiation. So that's to say that nature already has us, if we're outside, preconditioning our skin with that early morning infrared and red light. It's preconditioning our skin for being outside at noon when the UV wavelengths are dominating what's reaching Earth. Again, when it's a sunset or a sunrise or near that time, it's predominantly red and near infrared light, especially infrared light. But as the sun gets closer to the high point of the sky towards noon, that's when there's the highest amount of UV radiation. So nature has given us a preconditioning every morning. You just have to go outside and capture it. But moving on here, at this time, minimizing the amount of UV irradiation that reaches the skin remains the only method for protecting skin against UV-induced damage. This is achieved mostly by avoidance of sun exposure and the use of traditional sunscreens which are laced with numerous chemicals and toxins. It has been recently suggested that protective mechanisms against skin UV-induced damage may be activated by infrared exposure in a number of in vitro studies using primary culture human fibroblasts. It has been proposed that infrared irradiation prepares cells to resist UVB-induced damage by affecting the mitochondrial apoptotic pathway. Other research has suggested that infrared irradiation prepares cells to resist and or repair further UVB-induced DNA damage. Recent research uncovered the previously unrecognized potential of a 660 nanometer high-powered LED light source in inducing a state of cellular resistance to UV insults. And 660 nanometers, of course, is red light. Finally, the infrared induction of defense mechanisms was supported by research reporting that the protective protein ferritin normally involved in skin repair was induced by infrared radiation. So that means that by being exposed to infrared light, the defense mechanisms brought on by uh, the protective protein ferritin is enhanced. So you're getting that with a morning light exposure. So overall, Research studies support the contention that infrared irradiation may trigger protective repair responses to UV radiation. 
And again, that's not to say it's going to save you every single time from a sunburn, but the research does show that it can increase the duration you can be outside and exposed to full-spectrum sunlight prior to getting erythema or prior to getting that redness that comes on just before a sunburn and uh, skin damage induced by UV radiation. But moving on to the last topic here for preconditioning, and this is an interesting one, it's noise-induced hearing loss. So noise-induced hearing loss is a prevalent occupational health injury where genetic and environmental factors play a role in inducing hearing loss through changes in metabolic functions resulting in sensory cell death in the cochlea. So noise-induced hearing loss is often manifested as a loss of hair cells consequent to the activation of oxidative stress and inflammatory pathways resulting from noise exposure. And of course, we're talking about hair loss in the ear or in the vestibular system, not hair on your head. So when cochlear hair cells are exposed to noise or dangerous sounds, these primary sensory cells undergo excessive levels of oxidative stress, predisposing them to cellular injury and death. Also, an accumulation of reactive oxygen species molecules during elevated levels of oxidative stress leads to cochlear inflammation and auditory hair cell loss. Although reactive oxygen species play a key role in cochlear metabolism and signal transduction under normal physiologic conditions, their overproduction induces an oxidative stress response that damages auditory cells and causes hearing loss in a number of animal models. Paradoxically, the increased accumulation of reactive oxygen species and decreased level of natural antioxidant capacity of the cells leads to oxidative stress. And this leads to a vicious cycle of increased auditory cellular death and thus increased hearing loss. Research has demonstrated that auditory hair cells irradiated with near-infrared light leads to reduced reactive oxygen species formation and oxidative stress, as well as reduced levels of pro-inflammatory cytokines, and modulated mitochondrial activity. Thus, red light therapy via near-infrared light is a potential therapeutic candidate to address high levels of oxidative stress in cochlear auditory cells exposed to ototoxic drugs, such as gentamicin or resulting from occupational noise exposure. The efficiency and safety of near-infrared makes it also suitable for consideration in other medical applications such as prevention of hearing loss. I'll say that again, the efficiency and safety of near-infrared also suitable for consideration in other medical applications such as prevention of hearing loss. Red light therapy has gotten a lot of attention for eye health because one of the main things that happens as we age at least in this paradigm we live in currently, as we age, our vision deteriorates. Well, there's plenty of research showing that red light therapy can help prevent, mitigate, and sometimes even reverse age-related macular degeneration. Another thing that happens though when we quote-unquote age is that we have worse and worse hearing, whether that's by choice or by function of our true hearing system. Red light therapy seems to be able to play a role So if you were to use near-infrared light on your ears on a consistent basis as you quote-unquote age, 
what could that potentially do to your long-term hearing? And this is just food for thought. I'm spitballing here, but just based on that last sentence, which is based on the current research showing the efficiency and safety of near-infrared makes it also suitable for consideration in other medical applications, such as prevention of hearing loss. I mean, that's a huge sentence. I think I've mentioned this multiple times on other solosodes that I use red light therapy on a consistent basis, prophylactically in a lot of different ways. I use it on my brain, such as talked about here as preconditioning before a cognitively intensive task. I use it consistently on my gut to help improve my gut microbiome. I use it consistently in my mouth to optimize my oral microbiome. And of course, just full body treatments to get that systemic benefit. And I think I need to throw in consistent treatments to my ears because I surely value being able to hear things. If near-infrared light can help prevent hearing loss, then that seems like a pretty easy thing to do for a high, high reward. But anyways, let's move on to the research here for preconditioning. And so the first research we're going to cover is relative to preconditioning for exercise. In this first piece of research is from 2009. It goes on to say, we conclude that in this experimental protocol with 120 seconds of pre-exercise LED therapy administered at four points over the rectus femoris muscle, and that's the thigh, the front of the thigh, only the dual wavelength cluster LED probe decreased post-exercise creatine kinase levels after Wingate testing. And I'll tell you the Wingate testing is an extremely intense stationary bicycle test that puts you on the verge of throwing up. So they used LED for two minutes is all, four points over the thigh muscles, and they used dual wavelength, I'm guessing red and near infrared, LED, and that alone decreased post-exercise creatine kinase levels, which again is a marker of muscle damage. Moving on to the next piece of research, 2009. They say, we conclude that LLLT applied before high-intensity exercises can increase the removal of blood lactate and can reduce muscle damage, providing athletes with fast muscle recovery between exercise sessions. This piece of research using red light therapy before high-intensity exercise, and the blood lactate levels were moved quicker and reduced muscle damage faster, providing athletes you know, with enhanced recovery. So there's another feather in the cap for using red light therapy prior to exercise. This next piece is from 2012. They say it is possible to conclude that pre-exercise LLLT application decreases the oxidative stress, leading to a delay in the development of skeletal muscle damage, improvement of skeletal muscle damage, and prevention of muscle damage. So a lot of good things going on there relative to delaying, preventing, or mitigating muscle damage simply by using red light therapy prior to exercise. This piece of research from 2019, it says, in summary, our results demonstrated that pre-exercise photobiomodulation therapy as a standalone therapy was able to improve different functional aspects related to athletic performance and biochemical markers related to muscle damage and inflammatory processes in high-level athletes. In addition, it is important to highlight that pre-exercise photobiomodulation had an interesting antioxidant effect 
being able to decrease exercise-induced oxidative stress, which suggests that this might be one of the possible mechanisms of action through which photobiomodulation therapy promotes ergogenic and protective effects to skeletal muscles. So that was a long-winded way of more or less rehashing what we've already covered. Doing red light therapy prior to exercise leads to a lot of positive benefits physically in the muscle and in biochemical markers. Two more pieces of research here for exercise. This one's from 2014. It says, We may conclude that LLLT acutely increases exercise performance in healthy, untrained adults, probably due to increased oxygen extraction by peripheral muscles without causing significant impact on muscle fatigue. This last piece of research from 2015 says, LED therapy using a multi-diode array of LEDs with near-infrared wavelength and the dose applied in this study possibly can improve VO2 kinetics, increase time of exercise, decrease muscle damage, fatigue, and renal dysfunction during intense running exercise performed on a treadmill. Again, a lot of great things when you do red light therapy prior to exercise. The take-home message is, A, before exercise, not during or after, and then B, to irradiate the muscles that are going to be exercised the most. So you got to consider that when doing your red light therapy preconditioning. And then moving on to sun exposure, there's one piece of research here from 2008. They say, we observed that more UVB intensity was required to achieve minimal urethema responses on the skin or or to get that redness that was previously irradiated with LED, underlined for the first time a potential SPF-like sun protection index in vivo. Overall, these results, although observed in a small sample of subjects, suggest that a state of cellular resistance to UV insults was induced following LED photoprophylaxis, or IE, preconditioning with red light therapy. So yeah, not the strongest piece of research as they admitted, but even with a small sample size, doing red light therapy prior to sun exposure led to more UVB intensity required. So regardless whether it was duration or intensity, it required more exposure or more irradiation of ultraviolet light to achieve that redness in the skin that comes on just before getting that sunburn. So red light therapy certainly helped. And lastly, one piece of research here on the noise-induced hearing loss and this one from 2016. They go on to say, our results show that near-infrared exposure mitigates oxidative stress response in a cochlea-derived cell line by modulating mitochondrial activity, mitochondrial superoxide, cellular reactive oxygen species, and nitric oxide levels. In addition, near-infrared exposure was correlated with a reduction in the production, (laughs) reduction in production, of pro-inflammatory cytokines, interleukin-1 beta and interleukin-6. These results suggest that near-infrared applied to the auditory cells in situ may represent an effective tool to control and limit cochlear oxidative stress and induction of localized cochlear inflammation with the organ of corti. And the organ of corti is part of the auditory system and vestibular system. That was a lot to cover. Those last couple sections, really, those two sections alone, the pet health and the preconditioning, was was much more information intensive 
and research intensive than I remembered. So I'm actually going to cut us off for this solo sode right now. I know at the beginning of the episode, I promised along with pet health and preconditioning, skin health and sleep. But as you can see with the time, there was a lot of information on pet health and there was a lot of information on preconditioning. So I think those two topics alone for today will be fantastic. And then we'll carry on in the subsequent solo sode with skin health, sleep, and potentially thyroid health and women's health. But again, we'll have to see how much information is covered in the in the time allotted. But but regardless, guys, I hope those two topics you found interesting, potentially applicable. If you have pets, definitely applicable. If you're an exerciser, definitely applicable. But a lot of, again, cool take-home points for the wide variety of ways that red light therapy, which is red and near infrared light, can be used beneficially for you in your everyday life. So I hope this continues to open your eyes to the possibilities, the safety, the efficacy, and the use cases for red light therapy. But as always, guys, I appreciate every single one of you for tuning in, whether it's week in and week out, or if you pop in for an episode or two, I appreciate you guys listening and supporting uh, my, my podcast. I would be grateful if you would take a quick moment to leave a five-star review either on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. You can now leave uh, five-star reviews on Spotify podcasts. So just take a quick minute, whether you leave a written comment or not, I would, again, greatly appreciate you leaving that quick five-star review because the more reviews this podcast can get, the more exposure it will also get, meaning more and more people can learn about the many ways that red light therapy can benefit their health and wellness and their friends and family, just like you have been able to learn, and hopefully it's impacted you in a positive way. So as I like to say, sharing is caring. Please take a quick 10 seconds to leave a five-star review, and I would greatly appreciate it. But again, guys, that's all for this week. I hope you enjoy the solo sode. I will see you in the next episode, and I promise you we do have some fun interviews coming down the pipeline. But for now, light up your health and be well. Thank you for listening to the Red Light Report. If you like what you heard today, go ahead and leave us a review on iTunes and other podcast platforms to help spread the word so other people can learn about the many health, wellness, and longevity benefits of red light therapy. If you're looking for more educational content, check out our Instagram page at biolite.shop and our YouTube channel, Biolite. I'm Dr. Mike Belkowski, and I'll see you on the next episode.